This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It's Tuesday, December 10th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trey Scott. On Monday, 24-7 Sports released its annual True Freshman All-American team for the year of 2019. What that is, it's pretty self-explanatory. We make up the best college football team possible using only true freshmen, not redshirt freshmen, not transfers, true freshmen. So on our team, which you can find online at 247sports.com, we've got Sam Hallett, quarterback from North Carolina. He just broke Trevor Lawrence's record for most touchdown passes by a true freshman in college football history. We've got LSU cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. Last time we saw him was Saturday. He was picking off Jake Fromm twice. Stingley was the number two recruit in the class of 2019. He looks like he might be the best cornerback in college football. We've got a lot of other good players on that team. And we've brought in 24-7 sports director of scouting Barton Simmons, who is also CBSSports.com national college football writer, to talk about that list with us. I'm about to bring on Barton. After that, I'm going to introduce you to this year's Heisman finalist. Uh, lastly, thank you to everybody who came out Friday to the Sirius XM Pandora Studios in Atlanta for our live event. We had a lot of fun. We were treated like rock stars. Uh, someone made a mistake because we are certainly not, but um, thank you to anyone who was there um, and for your continued support. Anyway, here's Barton. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Okay, Barton, as we look at this team, was the toughest decision at quarterback where you, you, you we went with Sam Howell, but Jaden Daniels and, and Keaton Slovis at Arizona State and USC, respectively, would have been great choices almost any other year. Yeah, it was – I don't know if it was the toughest choice because ultimately when we really sort of doled out the numbers and, and played the, the resume game, I mean, Sam Howell had a pretty – dang good year and really is the reason North Carolina is a bowl team and competitive this year I think if Sam Howell wasn't at North Carolina this year if they didn't win that battle against Florida State late in the process I'm not sure where we put North Carolina in terms of their win total this fall so uh, I, I think that ultimately Sam Howell was the move but it, it was just sort of a fun year among true freshman quarterbacks I mean even those you know Keaton Slovis obviously big year Jaden Daniels obviously big year but um, John Rice Plumley, we snuck him on there in the all-purpose role, um, but 
Max Duggan. I mean, ups and downs. Bo Nix. You know, Bo Nix. Uh, there, there was a lot of true freshmen. Hank Bachmeyer beat Florida State week one. Yeah, it was an active year for true freshman quarterbacks, which was kind of fun to watch. Uh, and, and frankly, most of them were guys that we all kind of knew about and were pretty highly regarded coming out of high school. Maybe Keaton Slovis, the one exception to that. But uh, the, the quarterback class uh, kind of lived up to um, its billing coming in. Yeah, like I remember week one saying, okay, the week of the true freshman when you had all those big games. But in the recruiting process, it felt like the word on the class of 2019 was not that strong at quarterback. And the number one number one kid, Spencer Rattler, will, will have his moment next year. You saw the number two guy, and I'm just going off the 24-7 sports composite rankings for pro-style quarterback. Ryan Holinsky had his moments, of course, at South Carolina. Graham Mertz never got off the bench at Wisconsin, but he'll get a chance eventually. So like, did this class, when you sort of look back on it, like exceed expectations actually? Well, I don't, I don't know because I think the what our issue with the quarterback class last year or in that 2019 cycle was that it wasn't there, – there weren't that many of these first-round guys, like guys that we felt like was the next Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Josh Rosen, you know, that kind of crew. And I think as the, the process winded down in 2019, we, we came to believe there was a pretty good depth uh, but but just not that no-brainer guy with the exception of Spencer Rattler and, and we had a hunch maybe Jaden Daniels. Um, and I think it's, in a lot of ways it sort of played out like that. Like a lot of guys are capable of playing, a lot of guys that are good players, but among all these guys we talked about, um, there, you know, not many of them are guys we're sitting here and we're going to start projecting as future first-rounders. We're going to project them as really productive college quarterbacks that have a chance to grow into that but I still don't think there's anyone that we're sitting here and, and saying, wow, what a, what a freak talent. I think what we're saying is, wow, these guys are really good players. We'll move on to the running backs. Usually a plug-and-play position. Uh, but you had the number one and two guys in the class, Trey Sanders and John Emery Jr., for separate reasons, not make much of an impact. Sanders is out for the year with an injury he suffered in August at, at Alabama. John Emery just couldn't get over the hump of the depth chart. So you end up going with Brees Hall at Iowa State, George Helani at Boise State. I won't spend too much time on these guys, but Helani's interesting. He was number 505 player in the composite, number 34 running back. But the, the top two for seven actually had him as a four-star. Yeah, I'll give credit to Greg Biggins on that one. He, he was is a kid out of Southern California that was really productive. And, and frankly, I remember kind of watching him on film and – and saying, you know, he's a, he looks a little plotting to me. Like how, how, you know, what, what's the deal? Do we really like him as a four-star Greg? And, um, Greg was very firm and convicted in believing he was a really good player. And, and so that was a great call by him because he's, he obviously put together a great freshman season, um, and has been outstanding The you know, Brees Hall, the other one on the team, is another kind of win for for the twenty four seven sports rankings. I'm not sure where we had where the key was on the composite, but we were we were definitely out front on his ranking and really believed in him uh, because of his versatility. He's a good pass catcher. He's big. We invited him to the All American Bowl um, and where he was uh, had a good showing there. And this was a year I mean where Iowa State needed someone to step up at running back, and we were I, I suspected that guy was going to be a freshman because uh, Jarrell Brock is the other guy they brought in that's a good player. And, and sure enough, I mean, Brees Hall really took the reins and, and particularly late in the year came on as one of the top backs in the Big 12. 
Yeah, Brees Hall was the number seven running back in the top two for seven compared to number 22 in the composite. So at the receiver position, only went with two. Um, C.J. Johnson at East Carolina gets one of the spots. David Bell at Purdue, the second year in a row, a true freshman receiver at Purdue, is absolutely balled out. He had 86 catches, 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. I remember David at the All-American Bowl last year. He's a number 113 player in the composite, and it was like, yeah, he's just going to Purdue. So th- was do you remember this recruitment? Was this a case of just everyone else being full or what? No, no. I mean, he, this is a, a case of Purdue having a really good class in, in 2019 because keep in mind, I mean, this is not the only guy on this list from Purdue. The other one's a five-star for us, George Karloftis. Uh, and and this is just a, I mean, he's an Indianapolis kid, so he's in-state. He, he, oh, he was – this was a recruitment that Purdue won, and why not? I mean, I, as a as a receiver, sometimes you know you may scratch your head at a guy choosing a you know not necessarily a brand school, but following what Rondell Moore had just done as a freshman, uh, you could certainly see the appeal of going to a place like Purdue for for David Bell, particularly with it being an in-state program. And so uh, he was a he he is a really productive high school receiver. He was a really talented basketball player at a really good basketball program. So he had this sort of versatility to his game. Uh, not the fastest guy, but but really good ball skills, body control, and those sort of that kind of uh, intangible sort of traits, unteachable traits. And so uh, he, uh, you know, that's not, not surprised that he's had success. And, man, it sure would be fun if we can get him and Rondo Moore on the field at the same time. Yeah, 2020. Uh, tight end. We thought this might be Baylor Cup in the preseason. As, I think it probably would have. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. So Baylor Cup, for those who don't know, was the highest ranked tight end in the history of the top two four seven. It's a five star for us. He suffers a broken leg in August, so we're like, okay, well, here. But then in steps Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A and M, part of the sec, number two guy in a two tight end class. Thirty one catches, four hundred nineteen yards, six touchdowns. The second year in a row, Jimbo Fisher's had a tight end put up prolific numbers. Uh, was do you remember Weidermeyer? I do. Yeah, I mean, he was a. I mean, the the body type was what's was really unique. And I remember um, talking to some people at A and M. Uh, they felt like he was going to be a good player. I mean, this is not a surprise. I, I don't. You know, maybe obviously they they expected Baylor Cup to be the guy. And and Jimbo Fisher, in that offense, it's so important um, to have a tight end. And and um, uh, it was what's my guy's name that was there? Jay Sternberger. Jay Sternberger was the guy. In, in that first year, he goes off NFL. Uh, Baylor Cup was supposed to be the next man up and was, was having a good preseason, good offseason, looked like the guy. And uh, and, and Jalen Weidermeyer early in the year didn't have that much of an impact. True freshman, obviously not, not a big deal. But as the season progressed and he started progressing, I think you saw the offense really improve. I think he opened some things up for that. That team, I mean, he can be an inline guy. He can be a blocker. He was obviously a tough matchup as a pass catcher as well. Um, didn't put up, like, gaudy stats. But I think, again, just adding that tight end element late in the year uh, was was a really critical factor in, in A&M starting to evolve a little bit and come along offensively. Uh, we have five offensive linemen. We're only going to focus on one of them. I'm going to read out the other guys, though. Nick Broker at Ole Miss starts 11 of 12 games. Dante Lucas at Florida State, former uh, four-star player, and the composite, he was sort of a bright spot for that offensive line as the highest-graded starting lineman, uh, according to PFF. Brian Hudson at Virginia Tech, one of two true freshmen to get a lot of playing time, a lot of starting ops on that line. And Wanya Morris at Tennessee, who was one of the two five-stars offensive linemen assigned with the Vols. He started nine games. I'm going to circle back to Evan Neal, though, who 
was the number seven overall player in the composite. Ranked as an offensive tackle for good reason. He's six foot seven, three hundred and sixty pounds. He played guard this year. If Alex Leatherwood goes pro early as we expect, most people at Alabama think Evan Neal is a left tackle of the future. Yeah, I mean he's he certainly has that kind of frame. He's almost um, Orlando Brownish in terms of his, you know, what his skill set is out there on the edge. And, um, you know, he was, he was really good. Um, and, and that Alabama offensive line is, is th- that was not a weak spot this year where they just needed some help. Uh, you know, they, they, they had some freshmen playing on the defensive line and the, and the linebacker position that were basically based on just kind of injury and, and, and depth issues. I don't think offensive line was that. I think that was Evan Neal just going and winning that job and, and uh, putting together a really good season. So this was – honestly, there was a lot of good options at offensive line, and we could have probably put five different players in than we chose and, and been pretty defensible in that. So, um, you know, any of these guys to be on this list, I think, uh, is a credit to them. The defensive line class is great. Purdue's George Karloftis should be one of the Big Ten's best players next year. USC's Drake Jackson had three sacks in his first four games. Tyler Davis at Clemson took over the defensive tackle spot, uh, and and he quickly eased any concerns about how the Tigers would replace all four of those defensive linemen. I want to stick on Kayvon Thibodeau, though, from Oregon, the number two overall player in the composite. So what was your feeling when you watched the the Pac-12 title game and Kayvon obviously breaks out, two and a half sacks, blocks a punt, just an absolute monster. And you've got national media tweeting, you've got NFL guys saying, I can't wait for this guy in, in 2022. Are you kind of just smiling like, yeah, like, welcome to the party? Yeah, but you know what? Like, I think with Kayvon, um, that what's what's so exciting, it's like, you know, he was one of these guys who, uh, I think he fin- I mean, he was top 10 in our rankings, maybe 7th or ninth or something like that, final. Um, and... You know, he, he was the type of guy who there was questions. People really raised concerns about just sort of how focused is he and, and kind of this sort of nebulous, like, uh, how important is football type of stuff. And you, you always have to sort of take that stuff with a grain of salt because no one really knows. And, and a lot of times it's kind of false and unfair assumptions and these sort of things. So um, that he has made a splash as quickly as he has as a true freshman there, there was never any doubt about the talent, but I think that this this can kind of put to rest any question about how um, how much he, you know how how quickly he's going to adapt and and um, how well he's going to handle college life and all those sort of things. And man, he he's he's been outstanding all year long. And I think that now uh, you kind of take the ceiling off what he can be, and and you know this guy, this guy could be a future first round or like number one pick. Um, he's that kind of a talent. And he, the, he, he was, frankly, he was the number one player through most of the cycle. Um, yeah, he kinda, was your first number one player. He was our first number one. He was our number one in our initial update uh, before sophomore seasons. I think he hung on to number one following sophomore seasons. Started to s- slip a little bit as some of the other guys started to catch him after that. But um, he's, uh, man, what a, what a difference maker for Oregon, uh, particularly as it tries to build out the line of scrimmage, which is so important to Mario Cristobal, and he understands that. And Kayvon is going to be a, a anchor to that unit now for two more years. Kayvon lands at number six in the top two for seven. So we went with a four-two-five scheme. So you got two linebackers. Speaking of Oregon, Oregon State's got a guy on the, on the list, Omar Spates, lowly rated recruit, three-star. He had 73 tackles, three and a half sacks. The other player, the other linebacker is Henry Tooto uh, from Tennessee, the number 44 overall player in the composite, number three outside linebacker. 
was a massive signing day win for the Vols over Alabama when we thought really most of the time Alabama should be in the mix, and I think a few other schools were involved too. But Henry T. had 64 tackles, and he was uh, Tennessee's first true freshman starting linebacker since 2011. Yeah, and, and I mean, the, the thing about Henry uh, Toto is that he was he came to Tennessee with this class that was so important to Jeremy Pruitt's future. And I think the, you know, the thing that was really evident early on with that class was that the football character of that group was really strong. And, and none better or stronger than Henry Toto, who comes from De La Salle High School, one of the most prolific, high-profile juggernaut high schools in America. But the, the reputation of that high school is super disciplined, super um, tough, physical, uh, just old school in the, in the way they play. And, and Henry Toto came in as, as this, you know, the, the, the rumors around that program was he's one of the best they've ever had. And so for him to come to Tennessee at a position of need and be as impactful as he was, uh, I think really speaks to, again, sort of an encouraging sign for what's to come for Tennessee. Because that guy, I think, is going to be one of these sort of three-year just the leaders of that team, kind of um, anchors of that defense. We've got five defensive backs. We're going to focus on two of them. The guys who we won't focus on were great. Uh, Tijuana Mullen uh, from Indiana uh, became the Hoosiers' best cornerback. Ahmad Gardner at Cincinnati. Tijuana Mullen's the younger brother of Trayvon Mullen. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And thanks for the pronunciation check. (laughs) Sometimes when you look at so many names, you just start butchering names that you should be able to get. Uh, Ahmad Gardner, 6'2", at Cincinnati. PFF super high on him. He had three interceptions. And then Damani Richardson at Texas A&M. Uh, his highlight for the season was an 11-tackle game versus Alabama, including a, an interception of two Otunga Vailoa. Let's talk about the two of the uh, the higher-rated guys here. Kyle Hamilton at Notre Dame was someone who you loved, I remember, ever since maybe the opening finals or before that probably. You fit, you gave him a fifth star in the top 247. He was the number 60 player in the composite, and he was – Notre Dame's best defensive back this year, team high four interceptions, six foot four guy, like looks like a future first rounder. Yeah, so I, I, I played safety, so this is, a, this is a position near and dear to my heart. And I, I think Kyle Hamilton is, I think he might be my favorite safety prospect I've ever covered. And that was, and, and going wow. into his senior year, I wouldn't have necessarily said that. He was a long, lanky player who had really good flashes on film, really good tools, but was so, so, so far from a finished product and still sort of learning how to operate all, you know, the, the, his, his long limbs and, and, and how to organize it all. And, but as a, like you mentioned, the opening finals, he broke out, balled out in that setting, was awesome, one of the best players there. Then as a senior, his, his senior film, was I don't know what else you want to see in safety film than what he showed. It was as good a senior safety film as I've seen. And so at that point, he's you know he's bulking up, he's filling out, uh, and he becomes this just badass. And uh, I think you know Notre Dame returned both their safeties, good players. And for him to get on this list means that Notre Dame had to be creative and 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 making sure they found ways to get him on the field. And that was a priority for them. And, uh, you know, he delivered. I think he, you know, he was – you couldn't watch a Notre Dame game from about the midway point in the season on and not notice him. Uh, in particular, I remember watching Notre Dame against uh, – I want to say it was – oh, gosh, I hope I'm not butchering this, but I think it was USC um, where they basically used sort of a three-safety package all game long, and they would sort of roll uh, – 
the uh, Alohi Gilman into the box a bunch and sort of Kyle Hamilton was his back end uh, adjuster and was just sort of flying around the field. Uh, and just the, the way they were able to use him and the, the diff, I mean, he's, he could be a deep safety. He could be a, a run support guy that rolls down to the box. He can, you can get man coverage at, at six foot three plus. Uh, he's just such a unique prospect. So from your favorite safety prospect ever to the best cornerback prospect you've ever scouted, Derek Stingley Jr. more than lived up to the hype. He was the number three player in the composite, but number two in the top two four seven. And you almost had him number one overall, but that's a tough, like cornerback's a tough position to make number one overall. But Stingley has six interceptions, two against Jake Fromm in the SEC title game. He might be the best cornerback in college football. He is a surefire top five pick in three years. Yeah, yeah, just um, such a sure thing. Just you know, and, and he was a sure thing coming out. Um, I guess you know if you wanted to knock him, he didn't play a high level competition, but boy, he dominated that competition. And and it's so important at cornerback to me, ball skills, and and we've seen it. We've seen why with Derek Stingley. Um, he has as good a ball skills as you could ask for. He played receiver. He turned kicks. He intercepted every time someone threw at him in high school. Uh, so long, uh, very focused. Dad's a coach. Uh, grandfather played in the NFL. Uh, just, I mean, well, every box to check, he can check it. He's got the elite testing numbers to, to verify the athleticism. Um, and, and so, I mean, he's just as sure – he is a, as sure a thing as, of a prospect as we've seen. And, and, again, the only thing keeping him from number one was didn't play a premium position, but even that we might look back on and regret not, not making him, him one uh, because uh, I mean, he is he's sort of lived up to uh, every expectation anyone could have had for him. Yeah, our Chris Hummer wrote a feature on Stingley this week, and he grew up even like at age five or six or seven with – instead of – like superhero posters on his wall. He had like route trees, like his dad, his dad would draw routes on pieces of paper and Derek would memorize them and they they go drill them outside. We'll rip through this. The specialist, uh, Cade York from LSU gets our kicker spot. Austin McNamara from Texas tech, our punter, our returners, Joshua Youngblood at Kansas state, who is someone to watch in 2020. He had three kickoff returns in 15 attempts, three in the last four games. So, so this is a guy, everyone file away. Josh Youngblood could be, a monster in 2020 or 2021 if people kicked to him. The all-purpose selection was fun. I know Nebraska fans are upset Wandale Robinson didn't get the nod, but I like what we did here. We packaged Ole Miss's two sort of unconventional guys, Jerron Ely, who has just did everything you'd want out of a five-star running back. He ran, he caught, he returned a kick for a touchdown. And then John Rice Plumley, a quarterback, is safe safe to say quarterback's never been an all-purpose selection, but he had a thousand yards rushing. Um, uh, with an average of 6.64 that ranks number 18 nationally. Yeah, his rushing yards per game was among the best in the country, I feel like. And, and you, had, you just had to get him on there, particularly because uh, I think he really <clears throat> is the reason Ole Miss was competitive this year, is the reason Ole Miss um, kind of was fun to watch. Uh, frankly, you know, you could make a case he's the reason Matt Luke should have kept his job. Uh, but not didn't quite do enough there. Either way, just um, so exciting of a player, and, and I think the the way he was inserted into that offense really transformed that that team this year. So uh, you just kind of had to get him on there. Not a true quarterback, so I think you can find kind of squeeze him into that all purpose role and um, handcuff him with Jerry Ely and, and just sort of you know you can look at there's some exciting pieces uh, for uh, for Lane Kiffin now to to play with. Yeah, well forward. they got an interesting quarterback scenario with. You got Matt Corral there, John Rice Plumley, 
sort of Lane Kiffin's probably going to have to choose one pretty soon. Um, we'll ride out with the fact that Stingley Jr. was named the 24-7 Sports True Freshman of the Year. Pretty good company. Past recipients include Rondale Moore of Purdue in 2018, Jonathan Taylor in 2017, Ed Oliver 2016, Calvin Ridley in 2015. So you've got at least three first-round picks on that list. Stingley will be another one, maybe Rondale Moore too. Thank you, Barton. All right, thank you to Barton. It's always fun to talk to him. Some evening news for everybody. The Heisman Trust has announced four finalists this year, the 2019 season. It's always fun when we have four. Rarely does it happen that way anymore because the ballot calls for three. So here they are. LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, big shocker. He's a runaway favorite. Burrow passed for 48 touchdowns to six interceptions this season, completing 77.9% of his passes. That's the highest completion percentage in college football single season history. Joining Joe Burrow in New York will be Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback. Just one interception this season, 40 passing touchdowns. His teammate Chase Young made the finalist list, 16 and a half sacks, which, which leads the nation with 21 tackles for loss. And the stat that I think doesn't get enough credit, seven forced fumbles. This is all despite Chase Young, of course, being suspended for two games. Ohio State coach Ryan Day wanted uh, J.K. Dobbins to be the third Buckeye finalist, but he did not make the list. Uh, Jalen Hurts did. The Oklahoma quarterback struggled in that Big 12 title game against Baylor, but he's still going to New York. 32 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He averaged, or he completed, uh, rather, 72% of his passes for 3,634 yards. He also ran for 18 touchdowns in his only season in Norman after transferring from Alabama. Speaking of grad transfers, South Carolina quarterback Jake Bentley announced his exit last week. Monday afternoon, he announced he picked Utah. He's probably the favorite to win that job with Tyler Huntley exiting. A little coaching carousel update for you guys. We touched on this in yesterday's podcast, but it is official now. Clemson co-offensive coordinator Jeff Scott will be South Florida's next head coach. But if you're wondering, yes, he will still help the Tigers in the playoff. That's usually what happens when a playoff-bound coach leave somewhere else. Oregon offensive coordinator Marcus Arroyo is reportedly close to becoming UNLV's newest head coach. And get this, Butch Jones, yes, the former Tennessee head coach who's been an Alabama staffer the last two seasons, is seriously in the mix at Colorado State per report, so we'll keep an eye on that. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, we'd love for a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Barton Simmons, for Connor Tapp, and for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott, and we'll see you on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.